Welcome to the third episode of Belgian Mole Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me for the final time in a bit before he goes to South America next week is the Canadian who, thanks to working in a pharmacy, knows exactly what the most common STD in Canada is, Logan Saunders. Uh, evening. Uh, evening to you too. <laughs> I'm used to even to uh, afternoon uh, podcast recordings. None of this 10.30 at night business. You did it last week and, you know, for some reason I'm up at an ungodly hour. Actually able to speak properly this week because my granddad's not in the room next to me. Yeah, you actually get to use your uh, in, your uh, non-whisper voice. Did I tell you that I, uh, I found out in, in the evening last week that actually he had heard me? <laughs> yeah, you were messaging me that. Oopsies. <laughs> not to my finest hour. <laughs> Unlike this episode, which was amazing. Yeah, that twist towards the end... I was not expecting, I was not expecting Hans to be hidden inside one of the suitcases. Who knew that Hans was a contortionist? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you think a guy that old wouldn't be able to bend his limbs like that inside of a suitcase, but, well, I mean, if Mexicans can smuggle a lot of things over into the American border, I guess they can smuggle a Belgian guy into a suitcase. Seriously, though, I know I'm a pain in the arse when I'm constantly nagging you guys to watch Belgian Mole and Dutch Mole with me, but this is the reason why. Belgian Mole, for three episodes now, has been consistently amazing, and consistently the best show on TV in the world, I reckon. It's so, so good. There's the Roseanne remake, Michael. I mean, the best Belgian Mole can do right now, clearly, is number two. But, yeah, this show, I was trying to explain it to people at work yesterday when I was watching, this show is consistently the best program on TV in the world, I reckon. There hasn't been a bad episode in years. I'm trying to think of a bad Belgian Mole episode off the top of my head. And I can't really think of anything. There really isn't one, because every weaker episode still has at least one great task. Maybe like one of the family visit episodes, I guess, but, well, no, even then you have the the bomb trivia game, which still had a, it wasn't the best challenge in the world, but it's still a funny ending to have the loved ones all blown up in a smoke bomb. <laughs> and last year's family visit episode was the one after um, my favorite episode of pretty much any program ever, the ostriches and the uh, the shark diving and the drunk museum heist. Yeah. There just isn't a weak episode of Belgian Mole, and I know I'm cursing it, given that you're flying away for four weeks after this, and me and Ant will be doing it, and if it becomes a slog, I will kill you, but there just hasn't been a bad episode yet. No, there really hasn't. It's always engaging, especially for each episode being 67 minutes long, I think it is. Yeah, and I sort of touched upon this last week. I love both Vidum and Belgian Mole for different reasons, and Belgian Mole has gone for the for more of the travelogue slash spy thriller idea. I think mm-hmm. it feels more dramatized, even though it isn't. In a way, it's just different different ways of portraying the program. It's it's really good for us, and I mean, unless Amazing Race shanks us again, we're doing Vidum next year, regardless. Yeah purely because of this. But 
I love them both for different reasons. I know you sort of give the edge to Belgian Mole as well. I do too, purely because they just do not have weak episodes. One thing I picked up on with Belgian Mole too is that the music in it is they get access to so much licensed music that you don't really see in any other reality shows. Like in Canadian and American television, one of the biggest rules for contestants is don't sing any popular songs or quote lyrics or anything because then they have to try and they have to spend money to get the rights to it. With Belgian Mole, they have just... It seems like they have the whole music library at their fingertips. I don't know what the laws are like there, but you get to hear any hit songs you want, and they can just play it in the episodes uh, whenever they feel like it. Yeah, especially this season. I'm noticing a lot of music tasks, and I'm thinking there may be some clues. Well, even like even the past couple of years, there would be the Moles playlist. True. And the Mole, I don't think they're going to do another hint in the Moles playlist, purely because they've done it two years on the trot. People are obviously going to be searching through them now. Yeah. But just the amount of music that we've had in the past three episodes is insane if you compare it to North American reality, especially. Mm -hmm. And two, of course, two of the challenges this season has been based off of popular songs. So, previously, Yoko went on the run to earn some Passfragen, but Lloyd, Katrine and Jeffrey shot her. Most of the team played baseball while Jeffrey and Katrine took a tour of Juanahatro with everyone's mole books blindfolded. In the end, it was Chani who was the person who got the red screen, and nobody even remembers her, as brutal as it is. Yeah, she didn't get any sort of memorial uh, at the start of this episode. No, because instead we get the scene of everyone refusing to admit they're the mole. Yes. And we find out that Katrine doesn't shower. Yeah, Katrine doesn't shower, Steve occasionally smokes, and Peter's always late. <laughs> because he chooses to shower. <laughs> oh, you have a shower in the presbytery? Yes, <laughs> Katrine. We don't do any sort of bush showers or rolling around in wet grass. That's not how priests work. That's right after their Latin lesson. <laughs> do you think they're deliberately airing all of Katrine's stupid comments about Peter? Probably. Because this is the second one in three episodes now. Oh, was she the one that did the whole uh, gaydar thing? Yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Katrine's the one who just has zero filtering cars. So this is becoming a recurring joke now, and I'm here for it. How would you like to have a mole who has, n- who has no social filter whatsoever but is expected to pull off really devious and elaborate sabotages. Somehow Katrine's going slightly down my list. (laughs) Although, just as a spoiler for when I do my suspect list later today, Steve's getting a lot of points this week. Yeah, Steve sabotaged a hell of a lot. Steve was sabotaging everything. But I feel like at this point, it's almost too... He's almost at the... Jeffrey line that we coined last week where the sabotages are on the verge of being just too blatant. Yeah, the thing is Steve's done stuff in every episode so far though. That's the difference between him and Jeffrey. Jeffrey really didn't do much in the first episode. Whereas Steve really did. Yeah. So, in the first assignment, the candidates are going to be guests of honour at a town festival and must split themselves up 
between three different symbols of Mexico. So they have three people on piñatas, two for tequila, and three for sombreros. And seems as though they pick the piñata, Steve, Yoka, and Jeffrey get to go to a courtyard, and one of them is in a booth listening to a mashup of two songs, which had far too much effort put into it, by the way. The other two will be in the courtyard, one of them will be blindfolded, and the other is the only person who can hear the person in the booth. And the person who can hear the person in the booth must direct the blindfolded person to hit the piñata with the face of the person singing the songs. And for each pair of piñatas that they hit correctly, they get 250 euros, and they also earn candy for the festival's piñata in the evening. And any they do not get correct will add stones instead. Which, seriously, no other show would do. Where it's like, ooh, you're blindfolded, you're going to be hitting things with baseball bats, and you could get stones to their face. And after every two mashups, they switch positions. And in Steve's first sabotage of the episode, because I'm just going to focus entirely on Steve being the mole here, because he blatantly is. Tunnel vision. He misidentifies Chris Martin off of Coldplay for Steve Martin off of comedy. <laughs> that was amazing. Good old Steve Martin from Coldplay. That's the sort of thing where I, I'm used to moles doing that sort of stuff. It's sort of a Yan move on the, the raft, where he just subtly switches the colours round. Oh, I remember those terrible Steve Martin songs. For some reason, after he did Father of the Bride, his career took a turn for the worst. Yeah. Viva La Vida, I think it was, the Coldplay song they picked. So somehow he managed to transition from Father of the Bride to Viva La Vida. Yeah, next thing you know, he'll be uh, mistaking uh, Oscar award-winning director Martin Scorsese for Martin Short. Yeah, never seen him in the same room. And that Chevrolet Chevrolet vehicle in his garage is actually uh, Chevy Chase. It's just Chevy Chase on all fours. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yeah, so Steve really loves the Three Amigos. (laughs) <laughs> also a Mexican-American uh, based comedy with Steve Martin in it you joke but that may be a hint it wouldn't surprise me if it's a hint somewhere down the line the three amigos yeah I'm not even joking if he starts mentioning uh, the other two amigos he is the mole <laughs> what if Peter or Katrine mentions the other two amigos Do they, are they the mole? well Katrine would probably try and uh, try and slander their names Let's be honest. Which one of the three amigos is gay? <laughs> and Peter's too busy showering to watch films. Um, and in Steve's first big old man moment of the episode, um, he leads Jeff to Justin Bieber as opposed to Bon Jovi. Yeah. He managed to get himself into the position that the mole would have got themselves into, of being the only person who can see and going, oh, shucks, I thought that was Bon Jovi. Oh, shucks, I thought that was uh, Lady Gaga. <laughs> he was terrible. I've never seen anybody just... I'm thinking this This is just a bit too much for sabotaging. Anybody who's the mole would think, okay, this is just going to be a bit too blatant. Can't identify Lady Gaga... Bon Jovi is now Justin Bieber, and Chris Martin is now Steve Martin. And yet, Yoka still didn't pick him on the test. Who'd she pick? She picked Katrine. 
even though he blatantly sabotaged a 1500 euro game. She didn't pick him. Food for thoughts. Yeah. But did you mess up any of the music once, Michael? Would you have gotten all the mashups? I think so. The only one, there was only Harry, the Harry Styles one. Harry Styles was the only name I didn't recognize. All the other songs I did, especially the one with both my Miley Cyrus and Harry Styles. Miley Cyrus, I that was instant. Um, and then somehow it gets turned into Elton John. <laughs> Who directed into Elton John? Was that uh, was that Steve's work as well? No, I think that was Yoko and Jeffrey guessing because Steve was too busy doing his old man mumble. Right. Um, oh, and that. Oh, this is the one I can't believe they messed up was when it was uh, James Brown and Pharrell. They were two very distinct songs. I know I'm a bit of a James Brown fan, but Happy is a very, very popular song worldwide. And James Brown is a very, very, very distinct musician. That that one I got in like half a second. Like, oh yeah, James Brown and Pharrell. And somehow they mistook... Oh yeah, they got James... They thought it was... Pharrell, but it was really James Brown they hit, and then they got really confused after that. You know who would have identified the Harry Styles song? Darcy Carden, off of The Good Place. Really? Yeah, she's obsessed with him. Genuinely. She mentions him in every interview. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, and then Steve, I can't believe Steve led some, when it was Lady Gaga, that he led uh, Jeff to hit Madonna. I'm thinking, okay, Steve Martin, Chris Martin, Bon Jovi, Justin Bieber, that's one thing. But he's 60. Like, this is prime Madonna knowledge uh, age gap for him to be in. And he's like, I don't know who the hell that is. That could be Lady Gaga, who was born like 30 years after Madonna. <laughs> yeah, and, and also, if they're going to pick a Madonna song, it's not going to be one of the recent crap ones. It's going to be something very famous. Yeah, like... Especially if it's a hidden clue for Peter, they're going to probably throw in like a virgin in there or something. Or live, or, uh, wait, for Bon Jovi, was it Living on a Prayer that they used? Yeah, it was Living on a Prayer. Ah, uh, I wonder if people are going to assume that's a religious connection to Peter. See, I thought that, but Peter's not done enough to sabotage. I may be shooting myself in the foot, but I can't see it being Peter just because he really hasn't done that much to sabotage. You could potentially pin the sombrero game on him. Eh, well, I mean, there was also the trivia thing, too, in the cars. Um, there's been little things here and there that still have them in my suspect list. I'll tell you one person I have completely 100% ruled out, though, is Joker. Yeah, same here. Joker has been in prime sabotage position and hasn't capitalized on any sneaky sabotages and has brought in a lot of money overall. I can see Yoka being the winner. It seems like she's going out of her way to do really well for the pot because she's on the suspect trail. Yeah. Didn't She didn't intentionally go in the same group as Steve for this challenge. Steve and Jeff, who are probably near the top of a lot of people's suspect lists at this point. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm not ruling loads of people out. I can't see it being Yoka. I can't see it being Baha... I can't see it being Lloyd, even though I know he's on pretty much everyone else's suspect list. I just can't see it being Lloyd. Yeah, Lloyd's a bit on mine, but him and Baja really did well as a duo this week. There was not a single sabotage, really, between the two of them. 
I think the thing about Lloyd is I can't see them doing another young mole. Both of the the previous two revival seasons moles have been really young compared to the rest of their group. So Zeline and um, and Gills, Gills, yeah, both, yeah. That's that's a good point. Neither of them were like twenty one, but they were on the younger end. I can't see them doing that mainly because I think old people sabotaging stuff is way funnier because they can do it way more blatantly, and it's just like, oh yeah, they they just can't run as fast. Yeah, <laughs> they can get away with a lot more, and we haven't had an old mole for a while. By old, I mean like Katrina and Steve's age. Yeah, not actual like, hey, we have an eighty-five-year-old in this cast. Let's see how this goes. What do you mean he can't bike one kilometer in in less than five minutes? Pick up the pace. Yeah, not like Rudy Bosch level. <laughs> Yes, Rudy from the first season of Survivor. And we already have a stinger prepared, by the way, because Jeffrey and Yoka mumbling careless whisper was utterly fantastic. What's with Spanish people loving that song? When I was in Spain for six weeks last year, every time I stepped into an El Corte Inglés, the careless whisper song by George Michael always played every time I was in there, and I was thinking... Why do Spanish people love George Michael? And here we are in a season of Belgian Mole filmed in Mexico. What's one of the 12 songs involved in the mashup of all things? Careless Whisper by George Michael. It's a tune. <laughs> it's got a great sax solo, right? <laughs> and then every once in a while it pops up in our... Um, uh, 80s music playlist at work that comes it, sometimes it'll play for weeks at a time at work and every time that song pops on all I'm thinking is oh the Spanish people in the store are really happy right now it's Careless Whisper by George Michael so they end up getting three correct piñatas and luckily that's enough candy for them to actually put in the the big piñata but they only earn 250 euros because they identify Mozart and not Beethoven that's also another surprising one, because Beethoven and Mozart look very different. In fact, I want to look, I'm going to look up a picture of Beethoven just to make sure I know that's who I'm... Uh, that's His face is the one I'm picturing. I mean, one of them is a composer, and one of them is a St. Bernard dog. Yes, one of them is a dog. <laughs> that would have been a great twist. There's a dog and then six composers. We know it's Beethoven. We don't know which one to hit. Is it the composer? Is it the same Bernard? Who knows? Yeah, I'm just looking at Beethoven's picture. He look, Man, I forgot that he looks like a serial killer. That's one of the show notes decided. Logan describes someone as a serial killer. Yeah, and Mozart looks like in all the photos of Mozart, he looks a bit happier. But Beethoven looks like a serial killer who just rolled out of bed and didn't even comb his hair in the morning. So, because they chose tequila, Baha and Lloyd get a 15-question multiple-choice quiz. And to select their answer, one of them must drink a shot. If they are right, then the shot will contain water. If they are wrong, the shot will contain tequila. Each shot correctly drunk earns them 100 euros for the pot. Assuming they pass a breathalyzer test after all the questions have been asked. And this is a great way to do this sort of task. You know what I learned? If I'm driving in Mexico, 
I can have three shots of tequila and still be fine to drive. See, a couple of hours after I watched this task, because I watched it in, in two sections, I watched sort of the first half an hour and then, and then the last 40 minutes. A few hours after I watched the first half, I was thinking about this task, and I thought, what if the mole doesn't drink? And I know it's not a problem with this group, but if the mole accidentally gets himself into the tequila group, then the other person would have to drink all the shots that are incorrect. And that is a great way to sabotage. Because you would only really need to get four questions wrong, I guess. And the mole would know all the answers anyway. You don't need to get four, maybe five questions incorrect. And there is not a chance in hell that the person drinking would be sober. Yeah, in fact, they could just... The mall, if the mall was paired with somebody like that, they could just be really mean and make the person drink all the shots until they have severe alcohol poisoning and have to be hospitalized in the middle of Mexico. Or even, because the mall would know the answers, they could just make sure that they don't drink anything and the other person keeps getting them wrong. Which is why I don't think it's Baha and Lloyd, because there's obvious sabotages that could be done in this task. You know, they both did just enough to succeed at the task. Like, they did, I mean... They only got 9 out of 15, so they still missed 6 questions, but I feel like all they, if I were the mole, I would just push that 7th wrong answer to guarantee we don't pass. Unless the mole was really convinced that 3 shots was enough to fail the task. And maybe that exercise in the 15 minutes was enough to pass the breathalyzer. Of course, sobriety all depends on sort of your body shape and stuff as well. Yeah, they're bigger They're bigger guys. They're like the two biggest guys on the cast, so I guess they're able to absorb it better. I really, really, really want us to get a task where Pascal has to get really drunk. Because I think Pascal would be the most entertaining person of the team drunk, don't you? Yes. Or Katrina Pascal should have done the tequila task. Like, after each of them have two shots, they would have just gotten the rest of the questions wrong. Yeah, Katrina would have been white girl wasted after after, like, a shot, given how tiny she is. Uh, and they just wouldn't stop laughing at the STD question. Here's my thing when they had the STD question. Which STD is most common in Belgium? Well, no, it's not gonorrhea herpes, it's chlamydia. And knowing is half the battle. See, this program teaches you things. (laughs) Yeah, like, a week ago I'm learning about how many spheres there are in the atomium. This week... I'm learning about STDs in Belgium. Man, I can't wait to go back to Belgium. And I can go up to locals and say, hey, guess what I've learned about your country? Chlamydia. See, the herpes option depends whether you count cold sores or not. Because if you count cold sores, then obviously herpes would win. Otherwise, you probably don't. Herpes wins. <laughs> um. But yeah, right after they talked about the STD question is when they kept cutting to that one couple making out in the middle of the town square. And then they show them again and again throughout the episode. The multiple choice question is, which one of those two has an STD? And follow-up question, which of the three Belgian STDs is it? You can put up to 1,500 euros from the pot on it, and we'll double it. And all that money goes towards your treatment. But Lloyd and Baha do end up being sober enough, so the 900 euros they earn is safe. Unlike the remaining three people. 
So Peter, Pascal and Katrine choose the sombrero and are taken to a clock tower where they must provide the dancers for the party. But sadly, their shoes are locked in three chests. So to unlock the chests, they must use the key around the dancers' necks. And each chest unlocked earns them 500 euros for the pot. However, to select the dancers, they must complete a 20-panel version of memory. One of them must stay in the watchtower to keep an eye on the dancers, as more will join, and they will start swapping hats. How many were there of each hat in the square? Seemed like it was about six or seven people of each. At most, it was about ten. But of course, you've got to try and keep an eye on three different people, all of which are probably moving in different directions. And it is Katrine who finds herself a puzzle, so Peter gets to go down and find some dancers, and it does not end well. At all. Have Katrine and Pascal ever worked on a challenge this season where they're in like the same small group and do well? Not that I can think of. Yeah. I wonder if... The, are they both the mole, or what is it? Like, the mole only gets activated if they're partnered with uh, Katrine or Pascal, or vice versa. Whichever one of them is the mole just waits till they're partnered up with the other person, so the sabotages can be that much more blatant, since nobody else in the cast takes them seriously. It's like the two guys from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. What, Hitchcock and Scully? Yeah, Hitchcock and Scully. Exactly. <laughs> I think they're just really bad at the tasks they end up doing. And nobody's going to be really good at keeping an eye on three different people, all of whom are milling with people with the same hats and all that sort of stuff. So this task was doomed to not be perfect. Yeah, but I feel like they didn't even attempt a strategy, really. No. Like, the person who was supposed to be in charge of looking down at the town square kept looking away whenever the person down below said, oh... I got the panels wrong, we need to switch. Whoever was up in the tower always looked away, which is a really subtle way to sabotage it, because then you know you have no chance of picking out the people in the crowd. Yeah, the problem is all three of them can't be the mole. Yeah, but I'm fairly convinced the mole was in that group for the challenge just because of it being a complete and utter failure. The music mashup and not recognizing celebrities I feel like was too obvious of sabotaging where you're where it's just people who aren't the mole are trying to throw the others off and it's like oh yeah steve martin for chris martin oh yeah bon jovi for justin bieber meanwhile with the sombrero things it's like oh well no one they weren't expected to succeed at it anyway i think every one of those apart from the steve martin one was blatant the steve martin one was subtle and that's what sort of pricked my ears up anyway, because obviously I already suspected Steve, but that's what pricked my ears up, was the fact he was subtly sabotaging with stuff like the Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. And given the connection to the Three Amigos as well, it may have been a, a hint. And my highlight of the episode, 100%, is Gilles channeling his inner Anderson Cooper and getting wasted with the contestants. He's going, he wants to do shots with them. It's a tough day being the, the host. You know what pops into my head is, what happens if if uh, Jules gets so drunk uh, amongst the contestants that he accidentally reveals who the mole is to everyone? What happens then? See, I'm never sure 100% whether the, the hosts know. Because the UK one used to be quite militant about never knowing. He never wanted to know. And in the Canada season, he actually ended up having to know because he needed to perform a hint. I know Anderson was always militant about never knowing. 
Grant Bowler only knew uh, only knew the mole for the fourth season because he accidentally walked in on a production meeting. I think. I think if I were the host, I wouldn't want to know purely because I wouldn't want to be the one who spoiled it. I know Gillis knows though each season. Yeah, I think Jill does know. Because last year with Elaine, with the season he was involved with the night vision game with her, and then the year before, he they showed him with uh, Gillis when he's doing the running to the metro station and was just coaching him off camera. I wonder whether it, he only knows from a certain point. No, because he even said this episode that he told them all um, how the elimination went as well. Yeah, but I've seen a theory on how that was done, which we'll get to. I'm not sure if Gilles 100% knows who it is at this point in the season, purely because, you know, he's allowed to get that wasted. If I were producing this show, I wouldn't let Gilles anywhere near booze if I knew that he knew. Yeah, that's true too. Just in case. So, in the second assignment, Gilles is looking initially for a good driver and co-pilots, and it's Jeffrey and Peter who are chosen respectively. And to win up to €3,000, all Jeffrey has to do is drive five laps of a race course in less time than it takes a professional driver. And if they beat him, they win €500, plus an additional €500 for correctly answering a question on each lap, which is taken from the driving theory test. And to answer the questions, the co-pilot, Peter, is sitting on top of the car in a chair and has three boards that he must hold up the answer for the the multiple-choice answer that they're going for, as they go past a speed camera at over 100 kilometres an hour. This is a crazy task. Because Jeff is a maniac on the road. It was like he was at the Ford Proving Grounds in Lomo, Belgium, just swerving in and out of there like it was nothing. Like he had done it his whole life. This task is why I'm not sure that it was Peter, because I don't think Peter would put himself in that position if he was the mole. There's better ways to sabotage this challenge and try and make sure they don't win any money. I mean, they still screwed up four out of the five trivia questions, and that was his only real role was to try and answer them. Yeah, but also, have you ever tried reading a book while you sat in a chair going at 100 miles an hour? It's the obvious screw-up position, but also, they only win the money if they are faster than the, the professional driver. A more subtle sabotage than what Peter was doing would be to sabotage any of the other bits and accidentally not slow him down enough. Like Steve did with the cycling. Yeah, in my humble opinion. What if Steve gets executed next week and it just turns out that he was just really incompetent? I'll laugh a lot, as will you, I'm assuming, from wherever you'll be at that point. And then I will find another suspect. (laughs) And I'm not sure who it will be, because I am quite tunnel-visioned on Steve right now. Very tunnel-visioned. And the other six can help slow the professional driver down and have to split into two pedestrians, which is Pascal and Yoka, two speed doings, which is Lloyd and Baha, and two people with a good bond, Steve and Katrine. The pedestrians can slow him down by helping an old man cross the road, but he is locked in his car, and they can only cross when a crossing sign is on, but the extension cord for that is tangled, and Yoka and Pascal must free him from the car and activate the sign to make the driver stop at the crossing for one of the laps. And the speed demons have to change a tyre on the safety car, and once they do that, they can drive in front of the driver for an entire lap at a maximum of 40 kilometres an hour. And the people with a good bond can slow them down by pedalling a kilometre each on an exercise bike, and each time they do that, the red light will switch on for 20 seconds. And this this task is very difficult to try and describe what every person has to do. 
I've like half a page just from that. In Canada, we have this big controversy where it's been like this for the past few summers now, where uh, small kids and dogs have died inside of cars because they were stuck inside with the windows rolled up. Yeah, that happens over here too. So I was thinking, if it was hot enough there, that old man could have perished. I'm assuming he probably had the aircon on. We don't know that. Could you imagine, like, the time the time was ticking and you just see him start panicking inside and clawing at the window? Either that, or I think probably a producer nearby had the key just in case. <laughs> and Joker and... who was paired up with Joker? Uh, it was Pascal. Yes. Joker was definitely really quick with... Uh, she did most of the work to release the old man from the car. Yeah, you can tell she's uh, stolen a car before. Mm-hmm. She was very, very quick at, at opening that door. And as she beautifully put it herself, the thief in me is not lost. <laughs> and they managed to free him quickly, thanks to Yoka's ingenuity, and they slow him down on lap five. And Lloyd and Baha change the tyre just too slow for lap three, so I have to wait until he passes them on lap four to drive in front of him. I like the music shift when Lloyd and Baha are driving in front of the in front of the pro. <laughs> Just a lazy Sunday drive. I bet they were so excited when they found out that they were going to be the only ones driving on the um, on the track. And actually, yeah, you're going to be driving at 40 kilometers an hour. <laughs> BMW engineering. Yes. If only they made them drive a Nissan Micra. And Katrina and Steve are a mess, for want of a better word. They slow him down once and Katrina manages to do her second kilometer. Steve really doesn't. Steve is so slow on this. It's like he's never pedaled a bike before. Yeah. And from experience, it shouldn't take you that long to pedal a kilometre on an exercise bike. Yeah, because it's not like there's any balance involved. You just got to move your feet in the same uh, rotation repeatedly. Given that he took, what, about six minutes? About 6.15, I think, was the professional driver's time. You should easily be able to do about 3k in that time thinking about it. There's zero excuse for him not doing a second kilometre, which makes me think it was a sabotage. And like Lloyd was stressed, they point out that Lloyd was struggling with using the jack, but that wasn't a big enough sabotage. They still, Lloyd and Baja still stalled uh, the professional more than enough. Yeah. Oh, 100%. They were probably the reason why they won that task. Because the old man crossing the road probably took about 30 seconds. Lloyd and Baja easily added a solid minute to his time. Yeah. And they do end up being 30 seconds faster than him, so in the automatic 500 euros, but only one of the questions was answered correctly, meaning that they only get a 1,000 euros out of a possible 3,000. I would say that Jeff's maniac driving probably helped win the task more than what anybody else did. Oh, 100%. There's a very good reason why they chose Jeff to be the driver, and that's because he's a professional driver. Yeah. The way he drifted. My god. Do you see that drift? It was like straight up. He should have been a stuntman. It was like watching uh, Ryan Gosling and Drive. I think Peter probably still sees that drift in his nightmares. Because that's got to be <laughs> terrifying for him. Yeah, you're just on top. You feel like you have no protection whatsoever. And then it's like, ah! right around that corner. Yeah, Gilles reveals that they're heading to the airport now to fly to Mexico City. However, only seven candidates will be on that flight. Prepare for the test and execution. 
and the pot is at a lovely 14,200 euros. Not too shabby. Which I think is now higher than Dutch Mole was at the end. Yes, I think so. Considering Dutch Mole needed like four episodes before they were in the positives. So, it is time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and the actions of the mole. Whoever knows the least is out of the game. Apart from the mole, who never goes home. So Yoka suspects Katrine. And Katrine says that she needs more info. Steve says he has maximum info. Baha suspects Lloyd, as does Pascal. Lloyd suspects Peter. Peter suspects Baha. And Jeffrey's suspicion is not shown. And this goes back to what I said last week. We haven't seen a single person who was executed suspicion on the week they were executed. Yeah, their producers really want to hide that. And as we have noted each week, we're specifically shown the eliminated person's journal being taken by uh, Jules. And between the first and second assignments as well, Jeffrey also had a bit of family content, which I just had written down by Jeffrey. Didn't even know at that point that he went, but as soon as he started getting meaningful family content, it's just like, bye, get out of here. Yeah, he just said he had kids, right? Yeah, he showed pictures of his kids and said that he was missing them. But Jeffrey was the only person whose suspicion wasn't shown this week. Because at least Katrina and Steve, we got a little bit of info into their headspace. Jeffrey, we got nothing. Mm-hmm. So they're making it more and more obvious who's getting eliminated, and eventually they're going to break the trend, obviously, and surprise me, but we really haven't seen anything from anyone who got eliminated. No, no hints as to who might not be the mole in terms of just going off of what the eliminated eliminated contestants have uh, said. Yeah. And of course, they can't fly without a third assignment, so at the airport, the €14,200 is split into eight cases, two with no money, one with €700, one with 1000 one with 1500 with 2000 one with 3000 and one with €6,000. Each person can only take one case, and whoever is eliminated takes their money out of the game that they are carrying. If no money leaves the pot, and all 14,200 comes with them to Mexico City, they earn an extra 3,000 euros. And Gilles also reveals that the eliminate answered no to the question, does the mole have children? And in doing so, revealed to the mole who was eliminated. And the theory I have seen for this is that depending on which question Gilles revealed, that corresponded to a contestant. Okay. So like it, the first eight questions might have been where was what Mexican symbol did the mole pick? And that could have related to Yoka. So if Gilles would have revealed that one, it would have said, Oh, Yoka's getting eliminated. That's the theory I've seen at least. Might not be right. Hmm. I'm sure that Gilles will reveal at the the reunion what it was about. And obviously with a game like this, there is heavy negotiation and attempt to compromise by everyone revealing what they put. Did not work, mainly because of Baha and Steve not wanting to reveal what they put on the test. You know what would have been funnier and really mean is if Jules was like, and the person who was executed was the person who said that they thought Joker is the mole. <laughs> that person is the one being eliminated. And then you just have Joker saying, Damn it! No one's going to think I'm the mole anymore! It's the person who answered Joker to the Vista Mole question. <laughs> Come on, guys. Do, do any of you seriously think it's Joker at this point? You could have the 6,000 euro case and you spend all of them on pass fragons. You're still going to be executed anyway. And anyone who has a non zero case has the power 
to change the results of the elimination. And in the end, Jeffrey and Baha volunteer to take the empty cases. And in return, everyone else gives them the power to allocate the other six, which is interesting. Because in doing so, they've basically revealed who Baha and Jeff suspect. Yeah, that was kind of a trick. I wonder if Baha and Jeff knew that they were being trapped like this. Because given that we know that Baha suspected Lloyd, he got first pick. So he picked Lloyd to have the six grand case. And then Jeff picked Peter for the three grand case. Which suggests to me that Jeffrey suspected Peter. Because Baha suspects Lloyd and also assigned him the biggest case. And they're obviously not telling everyone else, hey, this is who I suspect the most. And given that Peter does have no children, because priest... Right. Hints to me that Peter might not be the mole. Those are really good points. And it's a point I've just thought about, because I did I did think, oh, they're just revealing their suspicions. But I didn't think, oh, Jeff actually was the one who picked Peter, wasn't he? And I wonder if anybody else has caught on to that at, by the end of the round, that, hey, if I was in that position, I would also want the person I think is the mole to have the most expensive case. And by that logic, Baha suspects Steve the least. And of course, Jeff didn't even pick Steve at any point. No, and also, I don't think Baha's been in, in a group with Steve either. So anything he knows about Steve has been pretty much second-hand knowledge. I really want to see Baha and Steve in a group then next week. Well, it looks like there's going to be some sort of mishmash lift game in a high-rise building. And those with cash cases get to have a private chat with Jill, and they can influence the elimination by buying Passfragen for the test at 500 euros apiece. And in the end, two and a half thousand euros are spent out of the pot, because Steve bought two, Yoka bought one, and Peter bought two. And as a result, the 3,000 euros is off the table for winning. Yoka really likes to try and sacrifice money in the pot for uh, past bargains. She does. Do you think the mole was told to buy some? I figured in a situation like this that the mole would want to try and cause as much trouble with the negotiation process, but then when it's something like the past froggins, I thought going into it, if I'm the mole, I probably don't buy any. See, I was thinking that, but if the mole did buy them, it's a great sabotage because it basically costs the group at least three and a half thousand euros. Yeah, but you would really stick out there. That's why I was more owned in on... Uh... Katrina and uh, Pascal, just because cause both of them said no, right? It was Joker, Steve, and uh, Peter. Uh, so I was thinking, eh, I'm leaning more towards Katrina and Pascal now, just because both of them said no and kept a low profile during this whole uh, this whole challenge. And I've noticed throughout all these episodes that Baja loves directing group decisions and who goes into which group, and then this whole briefcase thing where... He was vetoing other people's ideas and then ended up being all him as to uh, allocating who got which briefcase by the end of it. Baja always likes to direct what people do in each challenge. See, I was really confused as to why the three people who bought Passfragen actually revealed that they bought them. Because knowledge is power. Kennedy is marked, as uh, they say on, on Dutch Mall. Never reveal it. And Yoker was the first one to reveal it, right? She just said outright, I bought a Yoker. I just don't get the logic of revealing it, because 
you immediately remove your advantage in knowing who bought them. Because, for all they know, a question on next week's test could be, did the mole buy Passvargen for the last test? Exactly, yeah. I guess the strategy to, with that is that they wanted some trust in the group going into the next round. Because if they don't admit to anything, then no one really trusts each other, and they're probably going to be on a on a path to losing a lot more money down the road. Yeah, the problem with that is the fact they don't know how many people bought them. So if if you're in Yoko's situation, maybe admitting you bought one is correct. But for Steve and Peter, it doesn't make any sense to reveal you bought two. Just say, oh yeah, I bought one as well. Because for all they know, five different people could have bought them. Mm-hmm. It just confused me. So Baha, Peter and Katrine all get green screens before Jeffrey gets the dreaded red screen. And as she said earlier, Gilles does ask for his mole book. And they're making a big thing of Gilles asking for mole books. Which means it's going to be a big assignment at some point soon. And the remaining seven contestants get on the flight at gate one to Mexico City. And that's the end of the episode. And it's a good thing that Jeff had the zero euro suitcase. It really is. Imagine if it was Lloyd executed. That'd be half the pot gone. I think if the mole had any choice in it, that Lloyd would have been executed with the six grand case. I think the mole deliberately decided to sit back and try and cause a bit of havoc, rather than assign the cases, even though they desperately wanted to make sure Jeff had the six grand case. Yeah. And I guess if you are Steve, and that, because Steve was really quiet in the challenge too. I wonder if he was just like, eh, well, as long as I have a couple thousand euros, I can just buy the buy up the Passfragens, and that's as good of a sabotage as uh, loading up uh, Jeff with the 6,000 euros briefcase. It's also tougher to have anybody else have the 6,000 euro one because Baja and Jeff both volunteered for it. It'd be, it'd be very suspicious if you said, oh, I think this person should have the 6,000 euro case. I don't think the mole was planning on Baja and Jeff agreeing to get the the zero cases no because no one wants to put them it's it's a bit weird that jeff put himself in that position when he knew he had a very good chance of being executed because he knew he answered no true unless the password did change something Uh, only no nobody bought more than two though right yeah i think jill probably would have mentioned it if if it did change anything but it may very well have done yeah, I'm sure we'll find out at the very end of the season if it did, but I, I don't I don't think it did. Do you think Jeff essentially fell on his own sword then for the sake of the group? I think so, yeah. I think Jeff knew that he was probably on the wrong track and that in getting a zero case he probably would get eliminated with it, but he'd formed enough strong bonds with people that he wanted them to win. And do you think Baja would be the type to do the same thing? Do you think he's on the wrong track as well? Oh no, I think he just did it as strategy. I think he did it to win favours. I think so too. I think, because you think at least one of them would know the answered yes to the question and then be like, okay, I'm going to go for the zero euro case and try to, I don't know if that would attract more suspicion or deflect suspicion off of you. Because Baja only agreed to do it when Jeff did. And when people said, oh, you can control the other cases. That's the thing. Baha didn't agree to it until then. Right. So, next time, there are luchadors, and it looks like Peter's training to be one. Steve and Pascal are vulnerable. 
Peter and Yoka are both in carts, and Yoka has a crash. There's always the problem with Yoka. She's always in some sort of great deal of distress. I still think she's the winner. I'm getting classic mole winner vibes from her, I don't know why. It wouldn't surprise me. No, it wouldn't surprise me either. So who are your main suspects then? It's tough. Um, uh, I begrudgingly accept that you might be on the right track with Steve at this point. You do realise that if it is Steve and I've picked him from week one, I'm going to be so gloaty in the finale, right? Oh, oh, I'm aware of this. Good, just making sure. And then Katrina Pascal, I guess, are two and three in my suspect list. Yeah, I can I can certainly agree with those three. I don't think it's Yoka. I just have a, real, I have a really tough time buying that it's Yoka or Baja since day one. And um, Lloyd just was too much of a good guy this week. Yeah, I... I know a lot of people suspect Lloyd, but I've just never seen it. I've never understood the the suspicion of Lloyd when actually he's not done much apart from, for example, this week, not knowing the medical question. And that would be way, way worse if it was Steve in that position when Steve is actually a doctor. Yes. Uh, is there anything else to say then? Um, no, just that the contestants played a lot of mind games towards the end and... Hopefully we get ostriches by next week. I'm still waiting for the ostriches to come back. I want an ostrich game every year. No exceptions. <laughs> I want a challenge that combines both paintball and ostriches. Or ostriches chasing down the contestants using paintball guns. What, in the mouths? <laughs> I don't know. No, they'd be able to hold it with their uh, feathers. So I think the next podcast you'll be doing with me will be the final one. Not the final four? Well, it'll be episode eight, won't it? Which I think is the the episode with the final test in it. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it'll be uh, Our Flavoring 8 that you mm-hmm. rejoin. And in your stead will be the wonderful Anthony Williams, who I'm keeping badgering to keep up to date on the season because he needs to podcast it with me. So, yeah. Thank you for listening to this Belgian Mole podcast. I will be back for more mole hunting next week with Anthony. And if you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, our own Twitter pages, MJ Harms for me, and Log Super Quacky for Logan. See you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next episode. Is that Steve Martin? No, no, that's just Steve Martin.